Hello, Awesomers. It's uh, me. It's your old buddy, Steve Simonson. And we're coming back again with another Awesomers.com podcast. Uh, this is, I believe, number 214 in our long-running series now. And we do have others slated for more frequent distribution. Today we're doing a, a live episode. Uh, but part of the reason we haven't done so many is <laughs> we're busy. <laughs> It's uh, we're busy with a lot of things we're going to talk about today, and uh, and so I'm I'm more or less just uh, saying hello and uh, sharing with you guys. We're now on awesomers.com 214, so all you have to do is go to awesomers.com slash 214. Now that won't be live when we're first recording this because we have to build the page and then we put all these things in there. But if you're listening to the recording, awesomers.com slash 214. And heck, if you're listening live, you can go to just awesomers.com slash podcast and see literally a couple hundred hours of uh, various content, uh, really great interviews with some some awesomers, as I like to call them, and uh, and many other informative uh, things. Oh, I got a thumbs up. Look at the dopamine hits are already coming in, everybody. Uh, so listen, today I'm just going to talk uh, for a short time about some of the seller news that is happening out there. And I think... Um, you know, I don't get distracted most of the time by the big news. Uh, uh, I don't watch kind of any of the, the big broadcasts of news because I uh, find them to be non-actionable and not interesting. Uh, but I do follow along with seller news, uh, things that are impacting or have the potential to impact the, the e-commerce ecosystem, including the Amazon marketplace. I follow news related to uh, the shipping industry, which you can see my backdrop here is uh, of a giant container ship. And that is because this news is quite relevant to us. In fact, um, what you'll find is that we're all, there's nobody who's getting away if you're shipping containers without paying more money on shipping containers. And I'll, I'll talk just briefly about that just for a minute. If you guys are out there, I uh, saw a couple thumbs up come in, but uh, let me know if you can hear me okay uh, for the live audience. If you're listening to a recording, you can send me an email and I'll get it at some point in the future. But uh, let me know if you guys can hear me just to make sure that my stuff is working correctly. Uh, or the thumbs up or whatever also gives me that signal. So uh, let's talk a little bit about shipping right now. Uh, first of all, it's complex and Everything is static in uh, and I just cut out. Uh, hopefully, that my signal wave is the worst and most unreliable. Uh, so this connection brought to you by Wave, the suck worst cable company, Wave Broadband. Terrible, terrible. Uh, anyway, global shipping is a nightmare, um, and it's it's a simple supply-demand problem. I went through some of these details in with graphs and charts and all that in the you know about a month ago for the Empowery Group, and I, I think I even shared it here with the Awesomers podcast. But the the truth is, it's not getting any better anytime soon. So there are different ways of dealing with this, and I'm I can't go into the details now uh, because we've spent literally hundreds of, maybe thousands of man hours at this point in 2021 trying to deal with this. The truth is, we have to take calculated 
choices, right? And so our price per unit may increase, you know, double or triple the prior shipping cost, but that doesn't mean the price per unit is now, you know, out of reach for the average consumer. It depends on the product you sell and how many fit into a container and how many containers you're doing. But I do want to let you guys know, you know, they say misery loves company, that you're not alone. Uh, we're all facing these uh, container prices. Uh, and the, you know, big companies like Home Depot are renting their own boats uh, so that they can move containers from, you know, point A to point B on a more predictable basis. Not all of us can afford to do that sort of thing. And so we are lucky to get what we get and we don't throw a fit, as my uh, five-year-old daughter once told me. So, you know, if you are paying, you know, double, triple, quadruple, even five to six times the amount that you used to pay for a container, you are not the only one. And as I uh, was explaining in Prosper last uh, week for those uh, who were able to attend, uh, if I saw you and uh, I certainly uh, appreciated meeting so many of the, the awesomers out there and, and just love to see entrepreneurs in person. But they, they commented that, you know, they are facing these problems. And I, I lamented that we're also facing these problems. Even people with contracts, you know, for reasonable size volume, you know, thousand plus containers a year, they, the contracts essentially only apply if the contracted company picks up the container. <laughs> So the the easy out for them, and of course we didn't see this coming, you know, years ago, was they just don't pick up the the container, right? And so if you have, it doesn't matter how big you are, right? The big boxes are facing this, the the middle boxes and the small boxes, everybody's facing this. Freight is going to be a continued issue, and people keep saying, "Yeah, but when, Steve? When will it recover?" And the answer is, I don't know. And I don't think anybody really knows, but it's it's when the paradigm shifts between supply and demand to a level that is more normalized. Right now, there are not enough containers from you know America being returned to Asia, and Asia is the 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 hardest problem here, and that's creating this this kind of global surge in prices. And I will tell you that we as um, shippers. Uh, we're the ones who are interested in the price going down. The container lines are living the dream. This is the solid days of the container shipping business. They're actually making a ton of money, more than they ever have, and they really see no reason to fix it. Uh, so, you know, maybe there will be some government intervention. Maybe there will be some actions that, that help accelerate a solution. But, you know, we, we have a cause and effect here. The cause is not being treated because the effect is they're way more profitable and we're just paying the money, right? We don't really have a lot of choices. And this is, again, if you're centered in Asia-based manufacturing and production, this is a reality you're dealing with. Um, now, ironically, uh, if you're shipping via air, it's it's not great, but it's not nearly the disparity that it used to be between ocean freight. So I want you guys to pay close attention to, you know, how can you optimize your, your freight, right? In some cases, I've heard people, by the way, saying they split their full container into um, a few LCL containers that they stage over a period of weeks, and their net effect is paying less money. Generally, that's not the case because it used to be the LCL, less than container load, 
requires more touches and more uh, coordination. But in some ways today, that might be the place to find remnant space, right? In the shipping and logistics business, remnant or unused space was the way to get the cheapest space. Uh, one thing I will tell you is if you are not getting multiple quotes, if you're just going with the, um, the same folks you always go with, uh, you're probably leaving some money on the table because especially if you have different freight uh, lines. In other words, if you're going from Shanghai to Seattle and then, you know, Shenzhen to LA uh, or, you know, many other variations in there, you may find different forwarders at different times have better rates. And so this is not a static situation. Just because you got a great quote one time and somebody's very friendly with you, it doesn't mean that you're getting the best price. And on a recent quote, we had a $3,000 difference between the top and the bottom bid. And I will tell you that our team is bidding out every container pretty aggressively to make sure that we get the best rates. Because if we can save, you know, one to $3,000, even $500 per container, that is meaningful in terms of uh, our profitability. So know that you're not alone. Uh, these things are happening and there's, there's very little we can do uh, in the short term to deal with it. I think it's gonna last, obviously, uh, you know, what do I know? I know nothing about nothing, but I, I think it's gonna certainly last through 2021 and probably spill into next year because of the Chinese New Year surge uh, that's happening. So. I will tell you that there are things that we're doing. There's a number of steps that we're taking. I'm going to share some of those, by the way, at Kevin King's Billion Dollar Seller Summit in September. Uh, again, I can't get into the details because some of them are, are quite tactical. But these tactics and methods to kind of reduce and optimize your freight and your cost per unit, that's the metric that any of you listening, that's the metric I want you to concentrate on the most. What is your cost per unit? Um, it is really important that you you think about that as your key metric to, to manage, not just the container cost, but your cost per unit, um, because there may be other ways of optimizing your freight that you have yet to contemplate. So um, there's been a lot of noise about the antitrust rumblings in D.C., and I do want to reiterate to everybody that um, this is a topic we should pay close attention to. And more importantly, we should have a voice in. Uh, we held a kind of a town hall meeting a couple weeks ago on um, that audio platform. I forget the name of it. Uh, it's where people go talk with the audio. <laughs> it's not a great endorsement for their platform. Uh, Clubhouse. Uh, sorry, it's called Clubhouse. And we did it because we wanted the transparency of having, you know, a bunch of kind of community leaders that were on stage kind of discussing and debating the topic which is what do we think about the prospect of the you know, United States government trying to break up or otherwise beat down Amazon? We don't know if we're in favor of it. There are some aspects that Amazon definitely needs to get into check, but there are other parts that, that we think that the government will make things worse. So the, the most important fallout from that is how do we have a voice? And so I've been working as I have for years with Paul Raffleson and the team there, Matt and Aaron and, and uh, Andrea, everybody to, to try to put together a comprehensive strategy so that we can say we need to raise money, frankly, for the, the guild so that they can go and develop strategies and help each of us come out with a, you know, kind of a, a voice in this uh, 
discussion. Amazon should, you know, take a listen to us, lend an ear, if you will, and the politicians should also lend an ear because, you know, when you think about how much business that is happening on Amazon in the marketplace, you really have to pause and and understand that it is a massive amount. I think in last year it was three hundred sixty-eight billion dollars on the Amazon marketplace, and even though there are some inherent uh, I think unfair practices that Amazon is exhibiting from time to time. They're quite good. Formula 49% Amazon back and forth across. Uh, and but it could really certain basic things in fairness and these are things that we want to put into a seller bill of rights and so we're starting this work of saying here's our mission will you know the community get behind us and help us raise money so that we can develop a more comprehensive strategy and a bill of rights uh, we know that the politicians will will pay attention we are just not positive um, that if we don't raise enough money that we can maintain that kind of awareness and that voice in this. Anyway, I do want you guys to pay to online merchants guild um, and you can pay attention to what we're doing there. You can throw them a, a Scooby snack. They are doing uh, lots of things, not just this uh, antitrust kind of effort, but they're fighting sales tax in a number of these states that are unfairly going after sellers for back sales taxes that they claim that should have been, collected the states are making this claim and you know the supreme court specifically when they overturned the prior precedent which was uh the quill decision back in 1992 the supreme court said um you know we're saying this about wayfair we're saying this about kind of overstock and these big billion dollar companies but if this this should not be a burden on the little businesses and the states kind of ignored all of that and said, you know what, you said that there's financial nexus, even though the law was not effective uh, or the precedent has not been changed, they're suing uh, behind that time and chasing sellers, which is absolutely unfair. Um, and, uh, you know, Fiona Ma, the, the treasurer of California has agreed with us, but that's not stopping California and, you know, Wisconsin and other states from chasing sellers and their history, which is just a real, it's an outrage, frankly, everybody. Uh, here's some other headlines I want to talk about. I, they're talking about Amazon going to Egypt. That sounds like it's something that they are going to launch uh, in the near future, which just makes that whole that whole Middle East a much more opportunistic uh, market. Uh, and so if you have talent or expertise to get into the Dubai and into Egypt or, you know, any of kind of that uh, Middle East I think you'll have some advantages there for a couple of years uh, because other sellers will struggle with the, you know, everything from the language to the logistics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, everybody is talking about the aggregators and, you know, what it takes to sell your, your business. And I will tell you that, you know, through the Empowering Cooperative, I have many, many discussions with, with Amazon sellers who are selling their business. Uh, the good news is, you know, the Empowery shareholders, they actually, they get a little Scooby snack back after they sell. Uh, as many of you probably know, the brokers and the aggregators, they will often pay a little fee, you know, to whoever refers uh, the, the ultimate 
company that is sold. And instead, you know, a lot of people are collecting those fees without disclosing they're getting, getting paid, by the way. But in Powery, um, if they collect a fee, the majority of the money goes back to the shareholder. So uh, in one case, we have uh, an Empowery member that they're probably on track to get tens of thousands of dollars at the end of their transaction as an Empowery cash back bonus. And that's just one of those little bonuses that uh, a lot of people don't realize. There's a lot of things, you know, you can save on click funnels and many other things, but uh, Empowery uh, still has a ton of value for shareholders. Uh, so get over there and check that out. Uh, by the way, uh, Kevin King and I have uh, been working very hard and we have a really good uh, crop of products at productsavance.com. Uh, if you just go to productsavance.com and check out, we've got a number of product ideas. These are ideas that Kevin personally came up with that him and I vetted. And then my sourcing team in China uh, sourced and found financially viable options. And then we, Kevin and I, work and massage that project again until it's ready to launch. And that there are, I don't know, five or ten of those opportunities available. So if you ever wanted to kind of be in business with Kevin or I, uh, this would be a good way to do it. The, the way it works is very simple. We come up with the idea, we get the, the financial, you know, kind of economic vetting, and then you have the, you have the monkey from there. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they change at various prices. I, I think the lowest ones, maybe a couple thousand bucks, the highest ones, maybe 10,000 bucks for the upfront fee. Uh, and you can see the details. There is a royalty that's ongoing, but we are seeing really, really great things from a lot of uh, smart sellers there. If you know how to launch and you're experienced, please go take a look at productsavance.com. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, discussions about the aggregation space. So if you are having discussions, um, you know, about selling your, your company or thinking about selling your company, I highly encourage you to reach out to Empowery. They have, um, you know, some referrals that they can make to you and it can help you talk to people who I think are more seller centric versus just kind of the uh, predators that are constantly preying on sellers. Um, one of my favorite uh, articles uh, I found in uh, a Chinese publication, I was in the English publication, but they basically there's 50,000 Chinese sellers who have been kicked off of Amazon so far this year for being caught up in that, that review manipulation story that broke a, a few months back. And I find it hilarious and you know they're talking about they want to sue amazon and this and that um and, and listen i, I want to be very clear i don't mind any competition doesn't matter if it's from china or america or eu any competition is welcome if you compete on the same playing field if you're fair so in the united states a u.s seller has to pay federal taxes has to comply with local you know state sales taxes has to have insurance, right? Not just general liability, but product liability. Uh, we have to, you know, do all of these things that put us at a inherent disadvantage against some sellers. And then on top of that, they're able to get away with black hat stuff that we cannot, right? We, some of the stuff they're doing, uh, even in China, it's illegal, right? So uh, brushing, for example, in China is highly illegal but there is no law in China against them doing brushing in the United States. So these sorts of problems, I think, are things that need to be dealt with. So, um, you know, I have been doing business in China for, you know, two decades now. Uh, I love the Chinese people. I'm not a huge fan of, you know, 
the policies of the government, but I'm not a huge fan of a lot of policies of my own government. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, by the way, you will see a continued crackdown on FBA hazardous items. So anything from CO2 detectors to anything, you know, hair dryers, anything that plugs in, you're going to see uh, more and more um, enforcement by Amazon, again, you know, stemming from consumer product safety complaints. So, you know, you, if you're doing business in the United States, it's different than Europe, right? The, in the EU, there are lots of CE designations by product that as long as you have that CE and it's legitimate, not just a Photoshop, you should be in pretty good shape. But the United States is not consistent about that. And even worse, some uh, products, for example, uh, small appliances that just plug in, they don't have any set regulations. But Amazon has made their own determination what is hazmat or what they will or won't accept. For example, uh, you may remember the, the hoverboard situation. That caused Amazon to say, if you don't have UL certification on your hoverboard, you're not selling it on our site. And underwriting Underwriters Laboratory is what UL stands for. And it is extraordinarily expensive because it's not just, is this device safe? It's every device in that component has to be UL uh, tested according to quite rigorous standards. You know, I'm not against safety, but I am against, uh, you know, kind of uh, unreasonable regular regulatory burdens. So if it costs you $100,000 to get your hoverboard tested, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to launch that uh, unless you've got, you know, a, a giant budget. Other products like that, like e-bikes and so on, will require restrictions at Amazon. The reason I bring this up is because it does appear if there's a risk of fire, electrocution, carbon monoxide, these types of things, that Amazon is going to be held to a higher standard for safety. And I want you guys to know that if you're selling anything in the children's category, if you're selling anything in the electronics category, pay close attention because the cheap stuff is the stuff that is going to be the most open to scrutiny and the most likely to either cause recalls or other things. If you are unaware, there, you know, there is such a thing as recall insurance, by the way. And uh, again, go to Empowery, they'll get you an insurance uh, recommendation and that will, you know, help you save both money and time and get with somebody who's trustworthy, but you can get recall insurance. Now it's subject to validation, right? You can't just buy it and they go, oh, you know, tomorrow we're doing a recall. Uh, there are some restrictions, but one of the things they do is they look up the factory you're buying from and they will actually tell you the reputation of that factory compared to some of the competitors that are also selling that product. So believe it or not, that is one of the, um, it's even when you investigate it, that can be a key way to learn about um, the safety record of your factory that nobody else has access to that info, only the insurance companies. And I know a lot of people don't have recall insurance, but I would submit that if you're in those dangerous goods uh, categories, it's probably worth, you know, a couple extra percentage points to de-risk yourself. So, and, and the Consumer Product Safety Commission, CPSC, is going to hold Amazon to a, a higher account. 
by the way, as reported by e-commerce bites, um, if you haven't ever checked them out, they do a really good job. Ina Steiner over there, she does a terrific job at writing really great e-commerce news and she's been doing it for over 20 years. Uh, it's a really great site, but, uh, she reported last week that Amazon suddenly found a bunch of lost inventory and you know, who knows where this stuff has been, but there's a lot of stuff that was even years old that was suddenly found. And, you know, in, in many ways it's really annoying, you know, that Amazon kind of has an unlimited look back period. Um, and I really encourage every single one of you guys to pay very, very close attention to your Amazon storage. Again, uh, go to Empowery. They've got a kind of an audit uh, company that will help you manage all those returns, all of those things, and they will find money that Amazon owes you for sure. Again, go to Empowery.com slash contact, and they can introduce you to the the FBA auditor. Um, it basically doesn't cost you anything unless they find money for you. So that's a good deal. So, but I, I just thought the article was really great. You can check it out on e-commerce bites. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, our friends at um, Gemba down in Austin, Texas, who handle kind of product design and, and sourcing. They raised uh, $12 million or maybe it's $11 million a couple weeks ago. I saw them at Prosper, congratulated them. They're great folks. And again, uh, go to Empowery for your introduction. You'll save a little bit of money and earn some cash back. Uh, and then Elevate also just raised another $250 million. So the, the aggregator wars, they're getting lots and lots of money. And uh, what you may not know is the, the so-called smart money, and I put that in quotes for in case you can't see the video, smart money is putting a ton in here because they think that Thras and Elevate and Perch and, and people like that are kind of pioneering the space. And there's a lot of people who just want to copycat. Uh, I believe somebody told me last week that there's 150 plus aggregation companies now. And that's a lot. So uh, if you're selling your business, that can be very good, especially as some of these people have less discipline. Uh, the best ones will maintain their discipline and focus on executing these businesses as well those will be the ones who win. I still think there will be a massive consolidation of these companies over a period of time. Uh, I'm saying in the next five years, 70% of them will probably disappear, uh, either going out of business because they actually didn't run the business well, uh, or they bought bad properties, or they will fold into the bigger companies because, you know, aggregators who have a billion plus dollars, they can't afford to endlessly do million dollar deals. They really need to, to do more and more deals of larger scale over time. So what will end up is the big fish aggregators will eat up some of the, the better run smaller fish. And believe me, many of the smaller aggregators know this, and that's part of their mission is they're like, hey, I'm going to buy these companies for three, four times EBITDA. Uh, I'm going to sell them for seven, eight times EBITDA to the, you know, to the Thras guys who will you know, come in and gobble up uh, again. What do I know? I know nothing about nothing, but these are patterns that have played out in many different industries. I've watched consolidation happen in a number of different industries, and it happens the same way every time. It's the laws of economics don't really change, right? The, this is just kind of how things work. So if you're a seller right now and you're thinking about selling, you know, go ahead and reach out to Empowery, reach out to myself. 
will at least get you. Uh, I don't do any commission deals. I don't do any affiliate deals. You'll never find me, um, you know, getting some sort of back uh, payment because I mentioned somebody's name or uh, what have you. I'm a volunteer at Empowery for those who don't know it. Um, next week, by the way, I will be in Tennessee in the Nashville area. If you are around Nashville, don't hesitate to reach out. I'll be at the podcast movement uh, convention. And I certainly welcome any of you uh, to reach out and we'll set up a, a meetup if there's a, a enough interest. Um, and then later in the month, I'll be, uh, I guess in August, I will be in New York and we'll do another meetup there. And perhaps, uh, well, I'll be in, in Austin in September and other places to come. So if you, uh, if you have a group and you're uh, you know, interested in having meetups, let me know. Uh, in Seattle, we do them from time to time. I'll probably go down to Miami and, and uh, hang out with some folks down there as well. So i uh, love to see uh, my fellow awesomers and e-commerce entrepreneurs. So I think we'll wrap it up here, everybody. Uh, for some reason, I can't see any of the comments. So if you're putting in comments, I'm not ignoring you. They're just not in my StreamYard feed. And so I, I just can't see them. Uh, my apologies. But uh, – I, I want to thank each and every one of you. Uh, as always, I love entrepreneurs. Uh, not like I love nachos. I mean, I really love entrepreneurs. I want you guys to be successful. I want you to, you know, run a good business, make a difference in the world. And, you know, in, in the end, you're going to leave your mark on the world, leaving it a better place than you found it. And that's, uh, it may sound trite. It's kind of a, one of the Boy Scout uh, uh, values to leave a campsite better than you found it. But I think entrepreneurs really do that. And we don't always get our due. So, uh, you know, thanks for uh, fighting for entrepreneurs. Don't, don't forget to go to Online Merchants Guild and Empowery and see how those nonprofit organizations can help you as a seller right now. Thanks again, everybody. Awesomers.com slash 214. That's where we'll post this, and you can see the playback there or on your favorite streaming area later. Thanks, everybody. See you later.